our YouTube link. I want to get it up there. Okay. Yeah, I'll put it up there. Okay. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. Uh, my name is Patrick Hayes, and with me, as always, is my co-equal host, Caleb Jenks, down in Rosebud, Texas. And tonight, we are going to talk about baptism. What is it? Why do we get baptized? How is it supposed to be done? And kind of go over the whole subject. So before we jump in, I'm sure Caleb and I are going to try to share this uh, all over the place to let people know that it's going on and try to get folks in. I would like to just make one or two quick announcements. So, and Caleb, I didn't even talk to you about this yet, but the reason that I wanted you to post our YouTube link in the comments is right. so that folks can get to our YouTube page and subscribe so you can watch us. And one of the reasons I want everyone to do that, even if you never get on there, you have to understand that the way things are working out with Facebook as a platform, it's only a matter of time before guys like Caleb and I will be taken off of Facebook. We're not only conservative Christians, we're very fundamental in our view. We believe the Bible to be literally God's word. We believe that you should do what the Bible says, and we don't apologize for it. And nowadays, that is not very popular. So very good people are being removed from Facebook, uh, people that have their livelihood depend on their Facebook page and what they do are being removed. And sooner or later, they're going to get around to us. Now, we aren't very important. We don't make that big of an impact, but it is going to happen one day. So we're going to ask that everyone please get on our YouTube page and subscribe to that so that whenever we do get the boot or we start getting censored one day, you'll be able to move over there and hopefully we can continue this thing for you know as long as we can. Um, so that was kind of one of the thoughts I had as I was going through the week. Does that make sense to you, Caleb? Do you see that as a oh, concern? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, one one platform they can you can spend some time building up your your method of communicating with people, and then all of a sudden they can get shut down overnight. Um, I don't. I'm pretty sure that they won't because I did spend some money on Facebook on advertising, so I'm sure they'll remember that, and they won't want to. They won't want to. You know, when when the time comes, mad. yeah, Caleb will remind them that he spent twenty four dollars and eighteen cents on advertising over the course of six months, and. Uh, Hopefully that'll put us at the bottom of the list as far as the chopping block goes. Okay, uh, welcome. Uh, we got uh, Murphy, Katie, Joanna. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and next week, we are getting into a subject, which I'm just going to pull it up in the event so I can <clears throat> read it properly. Uh, next week is women dressing modestly and what the Bible has to say about that. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, what are two guys doing talking about women dressing modestly and what the Bible has to say about it? Well, that's a great, that's a great question. This was actually requested by one of our followers, and we are grateful for you to um, uh, give us that uh, topic. Uh, if you can think of you know, a topic that would make more people upset uh, and that would be more awkward to discuss in the future. We'd be happy to listen to that suggestion as well. Uh, but you sure, you know, kind of hit it right on the nose with this one. So um, we're, we're jumping in. We're going to tackle it. I'm not scared. I think one of the problems with Christianity today is that there's far too many Christians in leadership that are uh, scared of women and talking to them and talking uh, about them or preaching uh, what the Bible says uh, on the subject of women in general. And there's no reason, you know, uh, what God said in the Bible is good. It's good for all of us. <clears throat> and whether you're a man or a woman or a child, uh, you want to read the Bible and you want to believe it. And uh, you need to do that with the difficult uncomfortable, awkward parts, just like you do uh, with the real easy, encouraging parts that we all like to hear about, you know, so all the verses we'll be discussing next week probably never showed up in your verse a day, you know, Bible calendar, you know, or your little morning meditation, you know, uh, happy, lovey, fun time, you know, Bible book that encourages you every morning with a verse or two and a little 
you know, a little explanation about how you're supposed to be a good Christian. You might not run into the verses we're going to bring up uh, this week or next week, but we're going to tackle that head on. So, um, and uh, <clears throat> look at that challenge accepted. We already have some folks that are saying they are going to come up with some more topics for us. And we thank you for that. So, Caleb, are you uh, are you sharing this? I can only see one ear of your headphone while you're working on your computer okay, there. Sorry. No, you're okay. Yeah, I, I think mean, I I think I got our, our YouTube channel uh, posted in the comments. Hopefully that works. Um, yep, I see it. That looks good. Yeah, hopefully it works because I am signed into the account. So I'm just wanting to make sure that it actually works if you're not signed into the account. But yeah, yeah. get on there. We actually have one video on there with 17 views on on youtube Whoa, blowing so up. <laughs> yeah get on do, get on do there we, do we monetize that or do we have to wait till 20 views yeah i think, I think so <laughs> i think we have like three subscribers on youtube as well so we're we're really we have not pushed it at all we haven't even tried so anyway it's it's there at least we got it before someone else stole our name all right, so let's get into baptism. What do you want to talk about first, Caleb? When the topic of baptism comes up, what what's the first thing you think about? Good or bad? I mean, tell me what you're thinking. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting because I see it go two ways nowadays. It seems like I see people uh, talk about baptism and marginalize it as a very unnecessary ritual that uh, really you know is is not necessary, or people put too much emphasis on it either way. And so I think it's obviously something good to talk about because it is obviously an important thing, but it is different, um, even though it can happen happen simultaneously or at the same time as salvation. It is different from salvation, and that's easily confused. So obviously, I think this is a great thing to to get on. So I guess the story of your baptism, I thought it'd be cool to find out. Um, were you baptized? Oh, boy. Why uh, and when and where? Okay. So you ready for this? So yeah. let's see. I got wet twice and then I got baptized. Okay. So my okay. story, and I'll try to tell this quickly. So I was born into an Irish Catholic home back East. And uh, I'm not even kidding you. Until I was like 18 years old, I really had no idea there were any other religions other than Catholic and Jewish. I mean, that's all I was around for, you know, my whole youth. So anyway, um, at I want to say like two weeks old, you know, they brought me into a Catholic church. Uh, I was a little boy in a little white dress and they sprinkled some water on my head and and said that it was a baptism. And, and that's, you know, pretty standard fare for anyone that was raised Catholic. And, you know, that's what I was told was, was baptism. That was not, uh, there is a prerequisite for baptism, just like divorce has a prerequisite. Okay. You got to be married in order to get divorced. You can't get divorced unless you're married. Well, it's the same way with baptism. You can't get baptized until you are saved. And we'll go over that in the Bible and it shows us that. So, <clears throat> so that was just getting wet. Uh, then later on, um, I actually, when I first moved to Colorado, I started going to church at the church closest to my house. And that ended up being a church of Christ and the church of Christ teaches, uh, baptismal regeneration, meaning that baptism is necessary for salvation. So you can't get saved and go to heaven when you die, unless you were baptized. So when I went there, it wasn't very long until someone took me aside and gave me kind of the, the short, you know, baptism speech. And they took a few verses out of the Bible and walked me through it and asked me the question and was like, would you like to get baptized? And it's like, well, yeah, you know, makes sense. They did it in the Bible. Jesus got baptized. I'm up for it. Sounds good. You know, again, as a naive Christian that was new to the Bible, but wanted to be obedient. And it was clear the Bible tells us to get baptized. I'm not saying it does not say that. So that was second time I got wet. This time I was dunked. So it was baptism by immersion. But again, I wasn't saved. So it's not baptism. It's just getting wet. Then uh, I get to a church that very clearly explained salvation. And I understood the gospel, the idea that... The work that Jesus did on the cross is what saves me. It is not my work. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10, 13. You know, I, uh, I put all my faith and trust in Christ and what he did. I no longer hope to get to heaven by anything I did. So I got saved or born again, as it's Jesus calls it in John chapter 3. And then shortly after that, <clears throat> I went and... Um, uh, you know, 
talked to my pastor and said, Hey, I, you know, I got saved last week. I, I need to get baptized. And he's like, great, let's, let's do it. So I got, um, I got baptized for real. Um, so that was kind of, that was my story. Were you, so were I, you dunked, I hit all were the you dunked that time. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't have put up with anything else. So, um, but yeah, yep. Dunked all the way under the water in the name of the father, the son and the Holy ghost. So that was the one and only time I was baptized, even though I had gotten wet many times before that. So that, yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like you got your bases covered. It sounds like you've been baptized, <laughs> baptized, baptized again. Um, yeah. Yeah. So once again, Patrick here, the older, wiser, more experienced <laughs> Christian has, has different experience with different types of baptism. I was baptized once. So um, tell, tell me about that. Yeah. So it was, um, I was 18 years old and, mm -hmm. um, not part of a church. And it was kind of interesting because I had been a Christian for, um, a couple of years. It was writing songs, uh, traveling, playing, playing music and, um, you know, trying to preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. And it was one of these things that started eating away at me. And mm -hmm. I had had this argument with my dad at one point, he had, he had told me, you realize that unless you've been baptized by water and fire, you're not born again. Mm -hmm. And I had, I had um, prayed and asked Jesus into my life and was walking and living as a, as a born again Christian. And mm -hmm. had had this discussion with him actually in a hunting camp at one point. And I was like, ah, well, what about the thief on the cross? He didn't, you know, Jesus said, even this day you'll be with mm -hmm. me in paradise. And he didn't get on off the cross. So it was one of these Correct. things where I kind of, pushed back against it. I was a little confused. And I couldn't really wrap my mind around it for sure. Um, and it bothered me because here I wasn't really a Christian. Other people were Christians. And yet I, I was, you know, it was, it was just kind of this thing. And all of a sudden it started eating at me. And I, I remember I went and I woke my dad up one night, late at night. And I said, I can't sleep. This is getting to bothering me. I need to get baptized. And I started realizing I was reading and I started realizing that the obedience side of it, whether regardless of the here nor there, whether or not I could consider myself a Christian without being baptized, I realized if I was going to obey uh, what the Bible said, I needed to be baptized. And so it was one of these mm -hmm. things where the conviction started setting in and, and I needed to do it. Now I'm not recommending to anybody to do this, um, to, to Did wait you do around it in hunting camp in no, November no, no. when it was freezing cold, like, in a no, river this or was, something? this was okay. like a few months later after okay. we had this conversation. Okay. Sorry. I missed that. And, Years prior to this, I had wanted to be baptized when I was a kid. And my dad said, no, you know, you're not ready. You need to wait till you're older. Mm -hmm. um, of course, you know, here we were not part of a church. It was kind of a, my older siblings hadn't been baptized yet. Mm -hmm. And so it was, um, it was just all new for my parents. And so it, this is kind of a very unique circumstance. Most people are in a church and you've got, you know, good Bible teaching. And this isn't going to come up in the same way that it did for me. But what I will say is, as the Holy Spirit convicts you and as you, as you, as you walk with God, it seems that the call to obedience, to obey God leads us to this point for me, inevitably, even though I pushed back against the idea of it as a necessity for, for salvation or to be considered as a Christian, I felt that it was necessary for me to be baptized um, because I read it in the Bible and I was like, well, this is what it says. And this is what I need to do. And I think that this is, I, well, I'm not sure, but this is the way that I see it in, in the early church is there was a lot more urgency on it than there is, um, especially for second, third generation Christians, because it's kind of this, you grow up in a Christian home. Uh, these people received the gospel as adults and they, they heard and they believed in Jesus. And they're like, well, why are you waiting? Let's go get baptized now. You know, mm -hmm. And it wasn't there. It was kind of this sense of urgency on it. And so for me, it was a little different because I grew up in a Christian home. I um, believed in Jesus and yet had not been baptized. I see people also that are in churches now. And I, I just, this is um, something that's kind of a pet peeve of mine is yeah, the, compli no. the complication of um, church membership that gets tied with baptism, where you have to go through um, classes, which are probably good mm -hmm. classes. Uh, you have to go through some sort of course and make sure that you understand what you're getting into before you before you're baptized. To me, the idea that that it's gotten complicated is a little bit troubling because it's gotten it's we've muddied up a very simple. Jesus told told a 
told us to go and, and wash ourselves in the water. Sim- similar to a man that Jesus could have healed differently. Jesus doesn't need us to go wash in the water, but he tells us to. And so we obey. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary for salvation. But for some reason, God decided this is what we do. This is what mm-hmm. he's, he's, it was his idea. And so the idea that we kind of wait around on this or that as churches that we would encourage people to wait around until they've gone through their classes or until they're ready to become a member of the local church before they can be baptized, whatever the, whatever the holdup is, is a little bit concerning to me. So anyway, I was wondering, um, since you mentioned your three, three experiences getting wet twice and then baptized, yeah. um, how, how did that work practically as far as the process goes in those churches when you got baptized, was it a pretty simple process? Was it waiting around for a while, waiting for 10 other people to get ready to get dunked or how did that work? No. So um, obviously, you know, the, the, the only one I can speak to is uh, when I actually got baptized and it, you know, something everyone should know about me is as far as, you know, if you, if you want to classify me uh, under a certain group, I probably fit closest to a conservative Baptist or what would be known as a fundamental Baptist or a fundamental independent Baptist uh, with messianic leanings. Um, so sounds kind of messy anyways. <laughs> so, um, you know, you got to understand that uh, baptism is looked at. Um, I believe baptism is uh, important. Uh, it is talked about a lot both by Jesus and then afterward by the apostles and specifically by Paul. Uh, it was something that um, the mode was specific. You know, the details involved are important. And the, and the big reason for this is you got to understand the history of uh, the, 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 the Baptists, where we got our name from. Uh, we were actually called Anabaptists by the Catholics during the Spanish Inquisition when we would lead folks to the Lord and they would get saved and then we would insist that they get baptized. And uh, the Catholics that would come out of the Catholic Church, um, it was a capital crime to get um, uh, baptized by immersion uh, after salvation the way that the Bible talks about. And the name given to those gospelers, okay, that's what they were often called because they would go around and try to give people the gospel and and pass out any portions of scripture they had. And when they would uh, give someone the gospel and get them saved, they would insist on getting them baptized like Jesus commands us to do in Matthew chapter 28, the last two verses, which we'll read here in a second. And uh, the name Anabaptist was given to this group by the Catholic Church, which means rebaptizer, because the Catholics believed that we were rebaptizing people, meaning they were baptized once as infants when they were sprinkled with water, even though obviously, you know, a, a, an infant of two weeks old doesn't know anything about what they're doing. Um, and they said that we were rebaptizing people. So that was the name given to us by our persecutors was Anabaptist. And then the group said, no, we're not Anabaptists. We're not rebaptizing anyone. We're Baptists. We baptize people. So I, I, I believe that it is important. But with that said, and, and Caleb, this is something I think that you would, you would find fascinating. During the heaviest times of persecution um, of Christianity when it was underground. And these were times after the time of Christ during the 10 waves of persecution um, by the different Roman Caesars and, or I'm sorry, Roman emperors and uh, the time of the Spanish Inquisition. uh, And I think it was King Philip of Spain. um, You would find someone that would hear the gospel. Okay. You would give them the gospel. They would get saved you would give them any portion of scripture that you had, which oftentimes was very little. If you were lucky enough to have an entire New Testament, you would rip pieces out and give give it to the new convert. You would baptize them in the nearest body of water you could find. I mean, immediately, any lake, river, stream, whatever, if we can get you underwater, you are getting baptized. Then they would ordain that man Okay, so if this was a family that got saved, they would ordain the father and say, congratulations, you're a preacher. Go and do likewise. 
And they would do that knowing they would probably never see that person again for the rest of their life. And it was just bing, 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 bing. The whole, here you go. You're saved. You got baptized. We're ordaining you, which means you are approved to go out and preach the gospel from the church that I belong to, even though I don't even know your last name yet. Here is a portion of the New Testament. Okay, I hope it's in a language that you can read. Please go and do likewise to other folks. And that was it. You never saw that person again. And, and Christianity survived the heaviest persecution uh, you know, during our time on earth in that manner. So there was, there were no classes. There was no box to check. It was, are you saved? Yeah, great. Next is baptism. And, and let me give you one verse and then, and then I'll shut up because I've been talking too long. The very last two verses in Matthew chapter 28, the last thing Jesus says before he leaves, he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So there are three things there, okay? Uh, go and teach all nations. Well, what are we supposed to teach them? Well, the gospel, that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah, okay? Get them saved. Number two, get them baptized, okay? And number three, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So you get them saved, you get them baptized, and then you teach them the Bible. That's it. That's the Great Commission. That's the whole thing. One, two, and three. And there, there doesn't need to, there's no preparation, you know, for baptism. Are you saved? Great. That's the prerequisite. That's it. Get them in the water. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Done. It's that simple. Move on. Now you're ready to take the scriptures. And the Bible, I believe, is specific and written the way it was written on purpose in every way, including the order. You do not get baptized until you get saved. And you ready for this? You are never going to understand the scriptures as clearly until you get saved and you get baptized. Why? I have no idea. But that's just the way God wants it done. Okay. Tell me what you tell me what you think, Caleb. I, I went on quite long there. Well, I think that's good. Uh, obviously, the um, the idea that, that you mentioned there of not really understanding the the scriptures the same before you're a Christian that's part of the the importance of the believer's baptism and why why that became an issue. Where it's like, I mean, if you if you are baptized as an infant and you have no understanding of God, and and then you're you're kind of relying on that as your confession of faith when you didn't even realize mm -hmm. what this faith was. Um, there is that that point of conversion that you're talking about. There's that beginning that beginning point there where if you if you are not a believer, like you like you said, you got dunked a couple times. Well, it, it to you is is now as meaningless as when you went and took a shower or, or you know were, were uh, absolutely in a swimming pool. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously, obviously this is a, this is, um, there's something tied to this and God, God says that no one comes to the son except that the father draws him and he, he draws us through the Holy spirit, mm -hmm. but the Holy spirit is promised to us at the time of, of baptism. It is something mm -hmm. that says, you know, be baptized and you will receive the Holy spirit. And however that, um, however that all plays out, that's, that is different, uh, again, I, I, I don't like us putting anything in a box, but especially when it comes to spiritual things, it's hard to, it's hard to explain and, and theorize this kind of thing away to the point that you can understand how God works, but his revelation through the Holy Spirit is, is definitely an important part of, of the Christian walk. And when, when you're not, when you're not under the influence, so to speak, of the Holy Spirit, um, trying to make some sort of a, a, a commitment in baptism without taking the blood of Jesus and and being um, being born again is really it's a um, it's just as meaningless of a ceremony or a washing as as you know dunking in a pool for any other reason. Um, I happen to be a big proponent of baptism by immersion, and this is simply because this is what. Jesus, you know, Jesus was immersed in water and mm -hmm. I see this as something very important, but I have friends that were baptized by sprinkling as believers 
And I, I look at that as a legitimate baptism, even though I would never baptize somebody that way. If they came to me and said, Hey, can you baptize me? I want you to sprinkle me with water. <laughs> I'm like, well, what would be the point? You know, if we're going to do it, let's do it for real. I guess there was at one point, there was these two preachers that were arguing about the whole baptism thing. And one of them was um, a proponent of, of a uh, immersion baptism. And the other one was a proponent of sprinkling. And, uh, and I, it's just kind of a funny story. So I, I believe that it was a Baptist and a, uh, a Baptist and a Mennonite or something mm-hmm. like that. This is the story that I heard anyways. So uh, the Mennonite was like, so, so do you believe that if, if uh, somebody is baptized just up to the knee, like if mm-hmm. they were immersed, but just up to the knee, do you believe that would be a legitimate baptism? Mm-hmm. And, and the Baptist said, no, you know, you got to be immersed all the way. And they mm-hmm. said, all right, so what about if you're immersed all the way up to the neck? Would that, would that work? Mm-hmm. And they said, nope, you gotta, it's got to be all the way. Mm-hmm. And they said, all right, so what if they were immersed completely in the water except for the very top of their head was still sticking out? Would that count? And they said, nope, you got to be immersed. Mm-hmm. And they said, all right, well, then we all agree it's just the top of the head that matters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my um, but this is the – oh, you were going to say something? Well, I was just going to tell you, I mean, if I could – you know, bring up one verse just to oh, give yeah, the idea as to why, you know, at least I believe in baptism by immersion. It's because that's what the Bible says. That's what it says. And it says it in two places very specifically. And I'm just going to give you one and then I'm going to turn it back over to Caleb. Uh, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water and lo, the heavens were opened unto him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Okay, so if Jesus came up out of the water, that means he was down in, in the, the water. water. Right. You got it. Okay, so there it is. That's the way Jesus did it. And Jesus wanted to get baptized by a certain guy. And I believe that part of the reason was he knew the way that he was doing it. So, you know, baptism by immersion comes from uh, the Bible. It comes from two specific spots. That's one of them. I'll bring up the other one in a little bit. Uh, Caleb, uh, go ahead. Uh, jump back in please yeah so so since you're on that point to me part of the the significance of a baptism by immersion is being buried with him in death and raised with him in the newness of life which is a biblical idea the idea that we would um try to make the this whole process more convenient Mm. it's something that only happens once well for most of us it only happens once um i'm actually not opposed to people being baptized multiple times um, even as believers, if somebody wants to go get baptized again, you can go do it however many times. Like Patrick said, you know, the, your salvation comes through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, not through the water that you're baptized in anyways. Right. So it really... You've got to be Aquafina. <laughs> right. And you got to it first. Oh, yeah. If it's not, if it's not um, you know, distilled water, I mean, what are you doing? How is that yeah. going to wash away your sins, Caleb? You just tap water like well, an that's a good way to kind of mix the water and the fire together. You heat the water first. <laughs> so anyways, the, the whole, the whole idea here is, is obedience and, and it is a symbolic, it is a symbolic uh, thing. And so as, as we look at scripture, I think that trying to uh, make it more convenient and easier, I'm actually just as much of a proponent of people actually being baptized in a river um, just because not because it's um not because it's the river is different than any other water. But Jesus was baptized in a river. And I always think that the more that we cheapen this thing and dumb it down into, you know, whatever, whatever ways that we can, let's, well, let's just make, make it warm water in the bathtub now, or let's, let's sprinkle it to make it easier. <laughs> go ahead and, and just, if you're going to get baptized, go ahead and just get baptized. I was baptized in freezing cold water in a Creek in Colorado. And it was, uh, it definitely burned, burned the memory into me a little bit more because as the water was cold, but the idea that we as a church would change this, this whole idea of baptism in any way and put our own twist on it bothers me in whatever way that is. If we start twist, you know, trying to make it more, more convenient, um, easier to do, if we try to make it more complicated, um, the, the, the scriptural way of baptizing is the only way that I think that we should be baptizing. Um, Jesus was baptized uh, by John, and I think that it was very 
interesting the way that it became a visual thing where you had the father saying, you know, affirming the son saying, this is my son and who I'm well pleased. And the spirit ascending on him like a dove to where it's actually visual to where those that were there could bear testimony that we don't see that today. But the baptism of, of John was just for the remission of sins. And the baptism that we have now as Christians is a lot more significant in that it's, it's our outward expression or our, our witness to the rest of the world that we are, that we are part of his, his church, part of his, his body, and that we've been raised with him in new, newness of life. So I, I did have a question and uh, I thought I'd throw this out to you since obviously this is yep. something that we are. Um, now, where is it here? I had it pulled up. Uh, so here John said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So John was saying he baptized them unto repentance. Um, and then we have in Acts, uh, I thought I had it pulled up. It's Acts 2.38, I believe. I'll see if I can find it here. Um, Peter was talking. And he seemed to express the urgency of baptism. And he talked mm -hmm. about the remission of sins here again. And this is after Jesus. All right. So here we have uh, King James. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. So here's a, here's a, an interesting passage here where Peter is indicating them that this is for the remission of sins. And I have, I have my theory on this as far as how this works. It's not a conflict with the idea that, that when you get baptized, that is not, that is not what um, cleanses your sin. But um, what, I guess, what is, what is your thought on this? Because this is, I think where some people get led, led astray into thinking that um, their salvation comes through the dunking in the water, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it, Caleb, it, it's really, it, it's such a simple explanation. It's almost silly that we have to go over it. You know, when, um, when I, when we're going somewhere as a family, I tell my kids, okay, kids, uh, get in the car and buckle up and we'll go to grandma's. Okay. Well, you know, it's getting in the car that's going to get us to grandma's. When they get in the car, should they buckle up? Well, yeah, that's what you do after you get in the car. Okay. But that's not, what's going to get us to grandma's. Okay. You see, and it's the same thing. He's saying repent and be baptized. Okay. Well, yeah. After you repent. Okay. Repent is salvation. Okay. Repentance is turning from whatever you have your faith in. I put my faith in being a good person to get me to heaven. Okay. I'm going to repent of that. I'm going to turn from that and I'm going to turn to Jesus. And now I'm going to put all my faith in Jesus. That's what repentance is. Repentance happens at the time of salvation. Okay. So Peter's saying, repent and be baptized. Well, yeah. Okay. He's saying, get saved and get baptized. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But people, unfortunately, believe that, you know, it's a blanket statement for everything that he said as far as salvation, as if getting baptized without the repentance part would get you saved. You know, it, it, no, no, no. That's what you naturally do. You know, get on the bus and sit down. Okay, well, you know, you got to get on the bus to get there. Okay, are you supposed to sit down after you get on the bus? Well, yes. Okay, but you can stand. You'll still get there. You know, and that, it's that simple. And that's why, uh, if that was, if baptism was necessary for salvation, wouldn't it have to be tied to every salvation account in the entire Bible? I mean, wouldn't Jesus say, you know, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again and get baptized, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But he doesn't say that. Okay, nobody says that through the whole Bible. There's only one or two verses in the whole Bible that give people the idea that baptism is necessary for salvation. And let me ask you a question, because I've never heard this argument against baptismal generation. And it's the easiest argument in the world. In order to get baptized, you need another person involved. Right. Well, what if that person refuses to baptize you? Then all of a yeah, sudden, your salvation, right. yeah, your salvation's not just between you and God. All of a sudden now your baptism, or I'm sorry, your salvation is based on you and God and the jerk that won't baptize you. <laughs> right. Right. What? 
So are you telling me that if you're in solitary confinement in a cell and you're going to die, you cannot get saved? Right. You can't you can't go to God and get saved if you live on a desert island. What if you're just a jerk and you've pissed off every preacher in that small town that you live in? Right. Okay. Oh, well, I guess you can't get saved. Okay, because no one will do it. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous idea. It brings another person into the equation and puts that person on equal footing with Christ, the Messiah, when he died on the cross. It's so absurd. I, I don't even I don't even know how people get there. They don't think it through logically. They just go off on one or two verses, and that's the doctrine. Forget about the rest of the Bible. Okay, there is no one else involved in your salvation. It is you and it is Christ, period. Yeah, so anyways, that's I think you I think you hit the nail on the head there. I, I think it's um important to realize the di the difference between this because especially for young new believers that don't that aren't don't have their theology um uh, straightened out at all. You know, they're a new believer and if they are if they're urged as they should be to, you know, to be baptized as a new believer. Um, it is, uh, it is important for us, for them not to confuse because this is, I think a way that Satan gets people led astray into thinking, okay, well, I got baptized. My sins got washed away. Hopefully I don't mess up now. And then the next day they go and they sin and they're mm -hmm. like, wow, you know, do I get baptized better, again? Better do it. And that's, better get baptized again. Get, and get so, cleaned up. so this is, I, I think it's important to understand that, understand the difference your your salvation comes through the blood of jesus yes. and your your membership into his body and your outward expression of that to the world and the testimony that comes through through your baptism um and well, so here the the end of this verse um you know he says to be baptized in the name of jesus for the remission of sin and you shall receive the gift of the holy spirit um and i think that 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 is somehow something that's that's missed oftentimes and people don't really understand this promise that we have. Um, and it is, it is God. It is the Holy spirit that then leads us into sanctification and into the, the next parts of life that we need as a Christian to where we can walk with him and that we can gain victory over sin and that we can, um, that we can, can have his joy and his peace and, you know, all the gifts of the spirit, the fruits of the spirit that we look at that we want as Christians and so this is a promise. Um, and I, so I just wanted to bring this up because I don't, I have no idea what your background or your beliefs on this is, uh -huh. but we see over and over again in the early church where there was believers that were either baptized and then they were filled with the spirit mm -hmm. later on as a separate occurrence. We have mm -hmm. believers that were filled with the spirit and then they were baptized later on. Um, mm -hmm. all of these were believers. Okay. Yeah. So this is, this is an interesting thing. So it is a promise, but is yes. it a guarantee that when you are baptized, that you've also received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And what is your opinion on that? Okay, so see the way the way that I see it, and if we go to if we go to John chapter sixteen, because as far as the the role of the Holy Spirit, and keep in mind this is a subject that we're going to talk about for a full hour in the future, is just the Holy Spirit. Okay, when you go to John and you go to John chapter sixteen, you find out that the Holy Spirit and His job is defined for both the lost and for the saved. And the Holy Spirit has a job in the life of both those who are not saved yet and those who are saved. So let's go to those that are saved, okay? And it's in John chapter 16, and we'll just pick it up in verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of Truth, capital S, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whosoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come, and he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Okay, so those are a couple of the jobs of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And if you want to know about the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the non-believer, you find that in the same chapter in verse eight. Well, I should say eight through 11. Okay, so the, the way it works is upon salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit abides in you. But you have to understand that there is also what the Bible calls the filling of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, so do I have the Holy Spirit living in me? Is God, does he take up abode inside of me? Absolutely, 100%, okay? But something you have to understand is that it is up to me as far as the amount of Holy Spirit that gets to pour out over, you know, to overflow my vessel and pour out onto others. And you can be filled with the Holy Spirit at points and you can submit your life to God. Whereas just, and you and I talked about this, just because you're saved doesn't mean you have submitted your life to Christ. Some people get saved and they drag their feet and they really don't want to do it God's way. And then at some point they decide, no, Jesus is my Lord and I am going to treat him like such and I'm going to follow him. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells the believer. And this is New Testament theology. Understand the Old Testament was different. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon someone for a time, for a purpose, and then it would leave. And that's why Paul was so shocked when he saw that the Holy Spirit indwelt all the believers in the New Testament. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon Saul, and then he left him. And then he came upon David, and then he left him. And he came back upon David. And, and we see this. The other thing you find out, and you read about this in the Psalms, you read about this with Samuel and with David, is that uh, they had to be anointed with fresh oil. So when you read through the Old Testament, oil in the Old Testament represents the Holy Spirit. And what you find is that they were not anointed once. David was anointed many times, and he says that he needs to be anointed with fresh oil. And it's the idea that from time to time, and the Bible is not overly specific about this or how it works, okay, we need a refilling of the Holy Spirit. And, and that might be my part. I need to submit and, uh, you know, dedicate my life uh, to God and allow the Spirit to fill me and overflow me. I'm not sure, you know, exactly how that works, although we can get into some verses that lead us down that path. But the one thing that we find out is that ourselves, our actions can limit the Holy Spirit and the work he can do through us. So I think when you tie all that together, you find that it's not that the Holy Spirit enters you and leaves anymore like the Old Testament. Okay, although, you know, some people do believe that, especially those that believe you can lose your salvation. When the Holy Spirit abides in you, he is there forever. You are now God's. You are the temple. The Holy Spirit indwells you. But we need to be uh, filled and we need the Holy Spirit overflowing us. So that seems to be the way that it works in the New Testament when you have the Holy Spirit fill somebody. Tell me your thoughts on that. Am I just flat crazy or, no, you know, that, does that? I actually, I thought it was surprising. I thought it was surprisingly better explained than I thought that we would get out of two Craigslist preachers. I. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, I never like to, well, with any, with any aspects of God, I don't like to oversimplify or explain, a, a, try to get it to the point that it's, it's, um, that we dumb it down into putting it in a box and, and feeling like that this is, this is the recipe for how, how you explain to somebody to be a Christian. You know, the, so much of the walk mm -hmm. with God is very much an individual relationship that we have with him. Um, I, I, um, I find it to be very interesting though, that oftentimes because of this promise of the the fact that as we become a christian as you when you put your faith in jesus that you belong to god and and the the promise of the holy spirit the gift of the holy spirit is a promise that i do believe that we receive and as christians we should see fruit of the spirit in 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 your life you should expect to see the fruit of the spirit you should expect to see more joy more peace more patience but I also see Christians that struggle with feeling not very much like a Christian sometimes, you know, they're mm -hmm. born again, believer born again. And obviously we can get into this on, on the, on another episode if we devote a whole hour to the Holy spirit. But I just think that this is a very important thing to not miss at the time of, of baptism is that just because you have given your life to Christ, you're a believer. Um, you are um, you, you, you belong to God. You know that you, you, 
believe this promise as this, you've got this theology in your head where you believe that, um, that you have the Holy Spirit, but then you feel this emptiness inside, or you feel this longing for more of God to realize that there is somehow it is different. And I think you explained it well, that, you know, the old Testament, there were people that were filled with the spirit that, um, and they prophesied, they were filled with the spirit and they did different things. Um, the new Testament, you, you find, um, the, the day of Pentecost where there's the outpouring of the Holy spirit, there was people that were believers at the time. And Jesus said, go and wait and you will be filled mm-hmm. with the spirit. Um, you find believers that were baptized and then they received the Holy spirit. You, you, you find it the other way around. And the idea that it's just a philosophical believing and that it's not or a, a belief that we have in our mind of the spirit of God and that we don't actually um, seek him in an experiential way where we actually where we actually experience God and we experience his presence and we seek his like you said the other day, you know, you find that it's it's hard. Um, you're, you're always trying to find more of God in your life and, and trying to seek God to, to show you his will and to give you his spirit, and his guidance in your life. And, and we do need to seek him in that way and, and realize that just because at the point of baptism, we, we have this promise. Um, I think that this promise is, um, is one that we, we as Christians, um, we don't experience the fullness of the spirit of God in our lives when we are, are walking in sin, living in sin. Um, and, and we don't, we don't see God filling us with his joy. And, and this is another one of those promises that I really believe comes along with something on our part. And that is to seek him. Um, and it's, you know, it says, blessed are, are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be filled. This is seek and you shall find. So I think for those that, that wish they had more of the spirit of God to, to realize that just because you're baptized and you had this, you have this promise that be baptized and you will receive the Holy spirit doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't other experience, other experiences. I'm not a proponent of saying everybody has to speak in tongues like they did on the, on the day of Pentecost. I'm not, that's not what I'm angling for here by any means or saying that there has to be a separate work of grace. Somehow the salvation isn't good enough, but is clearly experienced as two separate baptisms here in the Bible. In the early church, it was, that's how it was. And John John's baptism, obviously, I mean, he, he thought his, his baptism was nothing compared to Jesus because he, he says, Jesus will baptize you with fire. And so right. I think that this is something that to me should begin the beginning of this journey of being baptized and, and walking in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as an ongoing, an ongoing continual walk with God where we seek him and we seek his spirit, we seek his presence. And if, if we don't experience that and all we experience is the water baptism and the thought in our head that we have the Holy Spirit, that we could be missing out on a whole world of life, of walking in the newness of life. So that was that on, on, on that part is that's another thing that I see people confuse in this is, is not seeking God in his fullness, not seeking the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, and, the, and the renewal that comes through that. You know, uh, before we run out of time here, I did want to go over one more verse, uh, yeah. and, and this explains baptism a little bit. And it's always been, you know, one of the one of the verses that I use when I'm explaining baptism to someone that has been saved. If I, if I lead someone to the Lord, you know, I'm going to talk to them about baptism. Ideally, right then. I mean, it's really one of the first conversations I have. Um, so my screen froze up. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to see this. Uh, so the idea is in First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were. Oh, wait, that's not it. Sorry. Um, it, what I wanted was Romans 6, verse 4. So if First Corinthians 10, 1 and 2 is up on the screen, it's a great verse. And it talks about baptism, but it's not the one I wanted. Romans chapter six, verse four. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So there, what we see is that um, the baptism represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And I hope this is seen on the screen. So what you have is Jesus died, he was buried, and then he rose from the dead. And in the same way, baptism represents that. The Christian, okay, gets baptized, you go under the water, you're covered by the water, you come up out of the water. So the Christian 
dies to the flesh is buried and is raised in newness of life as a new creature in Christ. Okay, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The baptism is we get taken down under the water, we're covered by the water, we're brought back up out of the water, and that represents for the Christian the death of the old man, it is buried, and you are raised a new creature in Christ. So that was explained I just wanted to, to I just the spoon did come through. I just wanted to say that was a very powerful um, explanation there. It wasn't until about the fifth time you seen the, the spoon go down and back up. I think we should get a <laughs> screenshot of that and we could put that on our Craigslist creature profile here. <laughs> you know what? It really helps when you're explaining it to children, Caleb. Okay. And I didn't think that you had an IQ much higher than most children I deal with. So forgive me for trying to make it you know, understandable to the layman. Sorry. If I you just, want, I, I can try. To... Yeah. <laughs> okay. You can use a pen or a pencil also. Okay. okay. It works just as well as a spoon. I mean, it doesn't look as good as far as, you know, the silhouette, uh, you know, of a person, whatever, man, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't care what you say. <clears throat> okay. So anyway, Romans Ooh. 6, 4, let's hear what Caleb has to say. What pearls of wisdom do you have, Caleb? Maybe some statistics for us or, uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I just had to poke fun at you about the spoon thing. It was, <laughs> I, I hope that we I hope that we have people that that are able to build their build their uh, philosophy about baptism around the spoon analogy. If you haven't been baptized, look at the spoon and realize. Yeah, go to the <laughs> be spoon. like the spoon. Go. This start is spoon. The church of the first spoon. <laughs> this, this this is spoon. Spoon gets dunked. Be like spoon. <laughs> oh brother. Yeah. So, anyways, all of, I guess all of that to say, I think that. Patrick and I both agree that baptism is it is an important step in one's walk with with Christ. It is mm -hmm. kind of the initiation ceremony into the gang, so to speak. Um, it is where you publicly identify with Christ, but it is really it is completely God through and through, from A to Z with the regeneration part. You're not going to you're not going to find um, like I was mentioning earlier. I would say somebody that gets sprinkled got sprinkled. Mm -hmm. So be it. That's how you got baptized. Um, the baptism, there's, you, we could sit here and argue over the the methods and try to figure out the best way to do it, whether somebody gets um, the, the top of their head doesn't get dunked or not. <laughs> um, and really the, the, the fact that it gets so petty and, and that we have, well, you can't get baptized until you complete six weeks of classes, or, um, mm -hmm. you know, you should get baptized as an infant to make sure that you get your bases covered in case you die when you're two years old. Um, the fact that we've done this to it and have turned it into anything other than a believer's baptism where someone puts their faith in Jesus and they um, immediately, I don't, I don't see any, I mean, you can tell me if, if, if you think I'm wrong on this, but I don't see any, any reason why a new Christian shouldn't be baptized right away. I don't see any reason why I they agree. need to wait. Uh, well, and to me, it seems like it's an urgent thing. There is scripture to support that idea. What happened with uh, the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip? Okay, Philip right. explained to him the things of Christ and the gospel, and he got saved, and he clearly expounded on what baptism was, and the eunuch was like, well, wait a minute, here's some water, we're driving by water, why can't I get baptized? And Philip's like, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you can. And if your Bible is missing that verse in the in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse, uh, I think it's, uh, I forget which one, throw out your Bible and get a new one. Okay, but in that story, uh, Philip says, oh, you know, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you can get baptized. And they stop the carriage and they get out and they walk into the water and he dunks them and he gets back up and they go on their way. Bada bing. And, and that is the, you know, that, that's the way it's explained. And, and the same thing for Jesus. Jesus said, uh, get them saved, get them baptized, teach them the Bible. He didn't say get them saved and then you know, like you were saying, go through classes or get a certificate or learn whatever. It's like, no, no, no. Okay. Jesus commanded us to get baptized. This is how Jesus got baptized. Get baptized. That That's yeah. it. It's not a complicated, you know, uh, it, it, people mess up the Bible. Okay. You know, the Pharisees did this to no end. The Pharisees were constantly like, you know, Jesus didn't, you know, wash his hands right. And Jesus is like, uh, I wrote the Bible. I know how to wash my hands. And I did it. You guys, you know, made up your own ceremony for washing hands. And no, I didn't do that. 
but guess what? You're not God. I am. Okay. I know how to wash my hands. And he did that over and over and over again. And that was the problem with the Pharisees was that they made up their own stuff and added it to the Bible and then said that it was on par with scripture and, and human beings, unfortunately do that far too often. And that, and that's why Caleb and I so often we say, don't believe Caleb, don't believe Patrick, read the Bible for yourself. You know, we do these to try to get people interested in the Bible so that you will get excited about reading the Bible and you'll want to find out, wait, does the Bible really say that? Open it up, start reading it, find it for yourself. It's the best thing you can do. So that way, you know, a man cannot mess you up. If you are going to the Bible on your own prayerfully and talking to God about it, you're going to do fine. You don't, you don't need, you know, all the rest of us. Or yeah. our spoons, <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, I was thinking of when Paul. All, all of us are familiar with the um, story of Paul, the dramatic experience that he had with um, the with Jesus meeting him and the, seeing the light, and then his him being blinded by the light. Uh, this was a uh, this, he was a pretty bad guy, and he goes and then Ananias. If you go in Acts uh, chapter twenty two. Um, where is it? Verse, well, verse 16. So Ananias went to him and, and he prayed for him to receive his sight. Um, and he says um, in, in verse 16, he said, and now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So here we had uh, Paul who was, I mean, God was going to use Paul mightily. And we have somebody understanding the urgency of, Hey, you have, you've, you met Jesus. All right. <laughs> You believe in Jesus. You're this new believer. Go get baptized. Why are I mean, it's like, why are you waiting? Yep. And so I guess that would be if that was Ananias, if that was what he was saying to them, I would say to Christians that might be watching this today. If you're in a church and you're sitting around waiting for the right time and you're a believer, um, the question is, why are you waiting? Be baptized. Um, children, this is a little bit more of a delicate issue. I think that you should have a um, you should be mature enough. I'm not really sure where that magic age sets in where you're mature enough to have an understanding of the temptations that you're going to face in life and what sin really is and what you're really giving up. Um, I tend to be kind of a proponent of, of people waiting till they're teenagers or have been around long enough to um, face some of the temptations of, of sin that are going to, you know, that are going to try to suck you in that you don't really realize what, what life's all about until you mature a bit. But wherever that is, when you get to the point where you, you do believe in Jesus um, don't just sit around and wait forever. If you're if you're a if you're in this um, middle range right here, where I'm talking about as a teenager, and you're sitting around and you're you haven't been baptized, um, don't don't sit around forever and wait. Um, this really is the beginning of your of your um, of your not, I wouldn't say walk with God, but it's really the beginning of what of you identifying as a Christian, showing the world you're a Christian, and then and then going out and changing the world. And, and, and proclaiming your faith in Jesus. So you kind of come out of the closet as a Christian and let everybody yeah. know, Hey, this is who I am. Um, you know, it's like, it's like you're, you get drafted for the team now put on the Jersey. All right. You're one of us now. <laughs> the spoon. So, you know, something you were saying there, Caleb really, really hits home. You know, um, baptism is your first opportunity to obey the Lord. Because that's what he said to do. After you get saved, he said, great, now go get baptized. And I hate to tell you, but one of the ways that kind of the way my brain works is, you know, God's up in heaven watching and he's like, well, why do I think you're going to obey me in any other regards when you won't obey the very first thing that I tell you to do? I, you got right. saved. I said, great, go get baptized. And you're like, well... You know, when I feel like when I feel when it feels right, Lord, I'll do it. And and I can just see God slapping his forehead and rolling his eyes like, great, here's another one. You know, he's just going to do it when he wants rather than when I say. And the other thing that you mentioned, Caleb, was uh, was public and baptism is supposed to be public. It's not supposed to be something that's hidden. It is a public profession of our faith. It is an outward representation of the inward change. So we got saved. Uh, we are given a new heart. 
our spirit is quickened and it comes alive. And now we are supposed to have an outward representation of that. And how do we do that? We do it with a spoon. Okay. And we do it by getting baptized and that's public. Okay. So um, that's why, you know, baptisms are typically done. Uh, you see them done in a river. You see them done in a church. A lot of churches have, oh, you know what? That's something that really bothers me. How many churches don't even have a baptistry anymore? You, you almost, because it's not uh, something that they find to be important. Whereas, you know, every church I've been a part of, they always have a baptistry. And, and keep in mind that a lot of times it's a horse trough. I mean, it doesn't mean it's something nice or fancy, but the idea is when someone gets saved, you throw a hose in the thing and it's like, okay, we're baptizing someone, you know, so you do it. Uh, so many churches are against that for, for some reason. And I, I've never understood that, you know, uh, when the, when someone gets saved, you get them baptized, you can do it right now. Um, but it is, uh, it, it has always been a public thing. When you see that in the Bible, Jesus went to the Jordan river and it talks about the thousands of people that were there. There were many, many people baptizing folks in the Jordan. Okay. So, you know, don't, don't hide it. This is your first chance to be proud and to be public and to say, I am following Christ, you know, and, and, and that's what baptism is. Yeah, the only reason I can, the only reason that I can think to not be baptized is, well, there, we're, we live in a free country, we have religious freedom, it's not like you're going to get your head chopped off as soon as you come out of the water. I mean, there are places that people do that. Yeah, in China, they, they baptize people at night, they sneak right. out at two in the morning, now they still, you know, do it in a group, but yeah, in freezing waters, in order to do it. Because yeah. yeah, you're not allowed to. A lot of Muslim countries, you get you get baptized, and you are, you know, most likely you're going to be executed the next day or late at the same. Day. Oh yeah. And just so you know, Caleb, we're having several comments here asking if we have Bible Thumper commemorative spoons that they can purchase, and uh, I am going to start engraving these. So as soon as you become a top fan. Uh, give us your address and $20 and we will send you a commemorative spoon. It will probably be plastic. Okay. <laughs> $10. $10 for the plastic spoon. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, so back to the baptism topic here. Um, spoon or no spoon. If you, if you are, if you're sitting around waiting, thinking that you're somehow you're not good enough to be baptized, I kind of wonder mm -hmm. if, if we're still somehow thinking along the lines that, that somehow eventually we're going to be perfected to the point that we are good enough to be a Christian. And the idea mm -hmm. that somebody needs anything other than belief in order to be baptized to me is, is um, scary. So if you're in that camp, and you're waiting to be a good enough Christian to be baptized and get good enough and not sinning before you get baptized. I think uh, if you take one thing away from this is if you're a believer, get baptized, you know, ask Jesus for, uh, into your life as Lord and, and savior and uh, get baptized. Don't, don't sit around and wait forever. Um, this is an important step. And I guess we're at the one hour mark a little past the one hour. Um, there was somebody that mentioned on here that they were baptized early on as a Catholic. I think that is something that um, is unfortunate for a lot of people that they think later on, there's no reason to get baptized because they were baptized as an in infant. If there's one thing that I think that the Catholic church um, got dead wrong, there's a lot of good things about the Catholic church, but this is one thing that um, the idea that baptizing infants at a, you know, at an early age is somehow is going to have anything to do with their Christianity later on in their life when they actually become a Christian to me is, is really, it doesn't make any sense. So your baptism, like you don't Patrick find said, it in the Bible. Yeah. You got wet it's as a baby not in there. that yeah. really shouldn't affect, that shouldn't affect you now. If you're, if you're a Christian, whether you're baptized before or not get baptized, if yeah. you're a baby, it didn't count. And Caleb, let me uh, let me show you something. P people should know this. Just a little bit of history of baptism. Uh, it it existed prior to Christ. As a matter of fact, when you find Jesus, you see that people were being baptized in the Jordan. That was a normal thing. Uh, it was happening in Judaism ever, uh, before Christ ever you know stepped on the scene. And we actually can go as far back as the book of Exodus and find a baptism. And in First Corinthians ten verses one and two, we 
read, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So the Jews at that time, the whole nation of Israel, was baptized when they crossed through the Red Sea. And you see that they went into the water. Water was totally around them. Cloud covered them. They were under the water, and then they came back up. And, and it was all the way back then that God decided to show them how uh, baptism worked, you know, in the Red Sea. And I just didn't want anyone to miss um, you know, one more opportunity to, to, to bring the spoon in and, and try to close that loop, you know, so full circle, you, you can see the spoon show up all the way back in the book of Exodus. Actually, can you, uh, do you, do you have that verse pulled up? Yeah. Because I um, love where it goes on from there. And this is really not really related to this, but I love the fact that it, it talks about the fact that Jesus was the, um, it talks about them being, uh, baptized of all their fathers in the cloud in the Red Sea, and it talks about the rock um, and Jesus being that that pillar that was there clear back then, which is, it's just interesting how, how Jesus showed up then, he shows up now, and this is just one way that we can um, have a, a for, for me to, to think of trying to, trying to somehow separate myself further from God by not obeying something because we say, oh, no, baptism isn't necessary for salvation, we'll just get saved and skip baptism and um, and go on from there. Um, to me, to 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 get to that point where we theorize to the point that we that we eliminate a, an important part of the Christian walk and an experience that we have in in being buried with Christ and resurrected with Him um, is just it's just missing out. It would be like the the Israelites saying, "Ah, it's, it's all right. You know, I'll, I'm going to stay out here outside the camp. I don't need the pillar of fire tonight." Yeah, so uh, um, verse three, and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock, capital R, that uh, followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was, uh, and then it goes on to them being disobedient again. So anyway, you see that God, uh, Christ was the rock, Christ was the cloud. Um, yep. So anyway. All right. Well, it's uh, it's about five or six minutes past the hour. We should probably cut off. Please join us next week as we try to offend every one uh, of the members of our audience all at once as we go over women dressing modestly and what the Bible has to say about it. I can't wait. I think yeah, that this... one is going to go over as well as the spoon. I mean, please. yeah, I haven't decided. Have you talked to your wife about being on that one yet? Is she open uh, to it? No, I mean, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mentioned about, it. I mentioned it to my wife, and I got a, kind of an eye roll back. I was like, yeah. "Well, two guys on yeah. here telling the ladies how to dress. This is great." Yep, that's what it's gonna. Well, the good news is, um, I am gonna quote more scripture than you have ever heard in your life. Okay, so anyone that doesn't like it, uh, they can take it up with God because we're gonna be going over what the Bible says. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, the funny thing about it. Um, speaking of two guys talking about how women should dress and what the Bible has to say about it, um, the, the reason for God um, uh, uh, giving uh, women parameters as for how they dress, it's for the sake of men. That's the idea behind it. And, and God doesn't, uh, uh, then God explains how men are supposed to act and that is and God planned it that way on purpose. Anyway, we'll get into that. Yeah, just in um, case, in case we possibly excited. could have made it to the end of one episode without talking about something that was politically incorrect, we went ahead and <laughs> yeah. touched on it at the yeah. end of this episode. Yeah, and, we, yeah. and we're going to dedicate an entire hour to it next week. So Sounds um, good. Yeah, excited about that. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, enjoy your weekend. Shabbat shalom. We'll see you next Friday. All right. Good night, all.